Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. back to the LARCast. You are live here today, episode number 72. Can't believe this. Number 72, man. That's a lot of study and a lot of conversations about Jesus right there. Hours and hours. hours. (laughs) Bro, so exciting though, man, when you say that out loud. Episode 72, the LARCast. You are with Russ and Jameson today. Tony is in the middle of a really pretty cool um, work project he's got going. We'll let him tell you more about that here in the future episodes of the LARCast. But in the meantime, it's Russ and Jameson today, John chapter 11. The conversation we're going to get into, I'm just going to go ahead and fair warn you now. um, For those of you who are listening, this is a doozy. This is a, this is, this is like, this goes well beyond the world of opening up a can of theological worms that humanity just doesn't know what to do with. Okay. I mean, this is, this is the stuff, man. This is, this is the meaning. This is the mojo of spirituality (laughs) right here. There's so much that takes place that is on display in this encounter with Jesus and a couple of ladies, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, and what goes on, and do the Judean authorities, the Jewish right leaders, man, and how they step into this. I mean, this is a major, in my opinion, is the turning point. It is the downward turning point, here we go, of Jesus's ministry, in a good and beautiful way, just to be clear. Before we get into that, just a couple of quick announcements. Number one, worship primer coming out. Yes. In fact, um, if you have signed up to the, you know, to the Lark website, like if you've gone on there and dropped your email as far as getting Lark resources in your inbox, you probably have that right now. And if you don't, because we're recording this on Monday instead of Tuesday, (laughs) (laughs) you'll have it on Wednesday. But the long story short is if you've ever wondered what is, what is worship in light of what Jesus really did? Because it seems like there's a, man, just a, a dangerous, subversive, hopeful story that goes on with an understanding of worship through what Jesus has done that just looks so opposite, man, of everything I've been handed in the name of, quote unquote, worship. That's what this primer is about. So if you haven't signed up yet, go to the website, just scroll down in the bottom, drop your email right there, no spam coming your way, but a free resource will be coming your way called the Worship Primer. Also, in addition to that, we are funding 2023. We are trying to get good news to a world drowning in religion, and that is no easy feat for two reasons. Number one, the religious noise around us, yeah, it's endless. Are you ready for this? And number two, the religious nature in us, yeah, that's also endless. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so uh, with that said, man, like finding the freedom that Jesus declared is hard and living into it's even harder. And we've got some big plans, some goals that we've set. We'll be talking about those more in the future. But um, yeah, we're trying to fund that. 
and work like this podcast. So if you've got a heart for the spread of good news, please, by all means, go to larksite.com, join others who are empowering uh, this message of hope, man. Yeah. And thank you to all those who have jumped in recently to that end. So with those two announcements underway, a happy Thanksgiving coming up to us, right? Yeah, yo. Couple, couple days out, man. Yep. That's my second favorite holiday. I ain't going to lie. Turkey Day, man, for me is a great joy. And with that said, with those announcements in mind, with Turkey Day on the horizon, John chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, and seeing it for, I feel like what Jesus is revealing, which is so, so far beyond, dude, anything that I was handed in Bible college, seminary, fellow leaders that I worked with, what I taught for years and years and years in the, in the church, man, in regards to this passage. Yeah. I think what Jesus is saying here, just, it just, I wish I had words, man. I just, <laughs> I honestly, I wish I had words because amazing doesn't do it. It's killer. I'm so stoked. It's mind blowing. You know what I mean? Like all these <laughs> all the buzzwords. We, yeah. All these like, <laughs> like things that pop in our head, but this is like that one passage where I'm like, yeah, none of that, none of those work, man. It unsettles everything. It, yeah. it makes all those words seem like meh. <laughs> yeah. It's like straight disillusion. You know what I mean? Like that's what he's bringing here. It's yeah. going to disillusion us. Which by the way, if you're new to the podcast, one of the things we've talked about in the past, being disillusioned is a good thing. Because it means that you moved away from an illusion. <laughs> a false reality. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you we welcome being disconcerted. We welcome right being disillusioned by Jesus because it's it's him moving us away from a false reality that we bought. You could say that <laughs> Lark in a nutshell is a couple of people, a handful of people who've just been really disconcerted and troubled by Jesus. Yeah. But in a way that has liberated us more than anything ever else has ever even sort of come close yes be a great way to put it and this right here man these verses that's what they're about so we don't have time to read all of them we're in john 11 so if you've got a bible and you're listening in on this and you know amen feel free to read through all the verses but what we're going to do in our time is hit on some of the key passages that are here mm-hmm and just start to unpack what they, not just what they're saying, but, but what it feels like Jesus is showing us these things to me. So without yep. further delay, man, lead us, my friend. All right. Yeah. So 57 verses here. And as always, we recommend, you know, maybe push pause, just read through it on your own quick and then pick it up because there is just so much to talk about. And to summarize kind of the setting, you have Jesus uh, planning to go visit some of his best friends. And I read one one person who said, uh, if Jesus decided, you know what, this whole Messiah thing, cross, I'm out on it, he probably could have lived out a really, really happy, normal human life in Bethany. And Bethany is like nowhere. 
and no one knows about it. I don't even think it yeah. shows up in the Old Testament. Um, and these are his people. And he gets word that his his friend who he loves is what it says later on the chapter. Yeah, man. He's very sick. Okay. And he doesn't go. <laughs> like they're telling him because they know this is the guy that's known for healing people. And he's our friend. Like we are tight personally. So they reach out and he says, Lazarus has died. If you go to verse 14, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there. He's talking to his disciples Mm. that I I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. And what we find out in a few verses is this is already long past Lazarus actual death. So Jesus missed it um, by four days and everybody's confused. Okay. Um, and there's another reason that there's, uh, there's another layer of, of context tension. And that's that to go to Bethany is to go to Judea is to go to where Jesus almost got killed previously. And so the disciples are like, well, if we go back, like, you know, they're coming for you, right? Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says in verse nine, aren't there 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. And so you have this part of the scene wrapping up with Thomas, uh, the guy who doubts Jesus after the resurrection. There's a link here. Thomas goes, well, I guess it's over. Let's go die with him. <laughs> and you just have this, like, I mean, you can imagine it in the scene. It makes me think of things like I've seen all these cool military movies and they're super inspirational and they show you the suffering and the sacrifice of, of soldiers. And then they're like, let's go. It's time. We know we're not coming back from this one. <laughs> it oh, just makes Thomas me laugh. Isn't a doubting bit. in this moment. <laughs> He's not. But he's there's just something funny going on in him. So all of that lays the groundwork for Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I like I like the groundwork, you know, because, you know, you're coming out of this scene where Jesus is healed. We've talked about in the past episodes. This blind man, you've got religious leaders that are coming for his throat over it. They're basically cornering him on, man, tell us plainly, right? Who are you? Enough of this. And he's like, I've been telling you from the beginning, so let me just make it exceedingly clear once again, right? That he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He is one with God. The Father is one with him. He's right here in front of you, incarnate, right? God in the flesh, Emmanuel. You know, I mean, it's what we celebrate coming up here in another month in Christmas. Like, this is it, man. This is the mojo standing right in front of you. <laughs> and they're just right up in arms. So, you know, he does disappear. He goes away. As you said, right, he catches word about his friend Lazarus. He is, they are friends. They are buddies. He 
We definitely see that in the scriptures. He cares deeply for this person and for his sisters, Mary and Martha. Um, we do see them referenced in the scriptures. We do actually hear things that they right, that they say, and we see things that they do. Where Lazarus, you never actually hear him say anything in the Gospels. Yep. He's a pivotal character, right? But you never have any like writings of anything that he's ever declared. Mm -mm. And as you've noted, right? Like Jesus is, it's almost like he's provoking the charge of blasphemy that they're bringing against him, which by the way, is what they use to legally, <laughs> right? Or Pin him to the wall. Word loosely. Yep. Yeah. They, they find some roundabout ways to legally make their case mm -hmm. for ending his life life over this charge and instead of peeling away from that he presses into it even further to the point where he one thing that you've noticed like it says in the scriptures like he hears about lazarus dying and he intentionally decides to wait he's doing something here there's a tension there's a frustration that's going on here but there's a divine purpose in it it's leading us somewhere that we cannot get to on our own and so he waits and you're right. He does decide like, okay, it's now time to go back. And they're like, man, they're going to kill you. And I love that. Like that point, man, you brought about Thomas. Yeah. He definitely doubts later, but in this moment he has this courageous. Yeah, man. Then today we die. <laughs> you know, kind, of, kind of thing going on. Yeah. And you can definitely tell, you know, Jesus is like, yeah, I think you're missing the point, but. And then he arrives. Yeah. He arrives well, in town and he's greeted by two sisters or one sister. Right. Then that leads to a conversation quickly with another sister. And I feel like that's where it starts to get. That's where it starts to get pretty, pretty mind bending. Yes. And uh, back to one of your first points, Russ, like Jesus said in verse four, this is done. Like this sickness will not end in death, but is for the glory of God so that the son may be glorified through it. And so you've seen Jesus throughout John putting off this moment of now is the time to be glorified, right? Um, here it is. Like, you're right. This is the turning point. This is the final stretch of his ministry and his plan to redeem all things. So he gets in, he starts, he's walking in and Martha who, if you remember, she's the busy one, right? She comes yeah. out to meet him. Mary is the one who sits at his feet, and she's waiting back at the house. Uh, you can, you, you can, you see their, uh, you see their personalities coming out here. Um, Martha comes out, and she says, "Sorry." There it is. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, would not have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus says plainly, your brother will rise again. Jesus, Martha says back to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Okay, reinsert the a concept of disillusionment here. Jesus is like, you think one thing about rising again, and I'm going to tell you right now, a completely new thing, <laughs> or at least new yep. to you. Um, I am the resurrection in the life. Okay. So first 
most important point, maybe the only point for this whole thing that we need to talk about right now is that Jesus does not say, I am going to give you resurrection. He doesn't say, I am going to make resurrection possible. He does not say, I will be your resurrection. He does not say he's the way to resurrection. He's not the giver of resurrection. We can go on and on and on. The point can't be missed. Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection. (laughs) So what we're seeing here is Jesus is talking to a woman who's been faithfully religious her whole life. And she's actually really been coming around this whole Jesus character, this friend of hers. Uh, But she's standing here expecting the man who's healed all kinds of people and worked all kinds of miracles to, to basically be like, obviously she knows he'll be sad. Um, but she's, Mm -hmm. she's saying, I get what you're saying, Jesus. I know that we will see him again one day. And Jesus is like, it's better. It's better because the resurrection is not a button I push later on. I'm walking, living, breathing resurrection. And I'm with you standing right here with you yeah this is where it starts to me this is a starts to unfold into something like i was trying to allude to earlier something that gets into a place of 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 a beautiful mystery but almost you you kind of find yourself almost without words you know what i mean in moments Mm -hmm. of seeing it you start to see it and it feels like it starts to click in your mind you even feel it like in your chest but you can't quite articulate it, <laughs> you know, it's as much. It's which for me is is frustrating, man. But we definitely see him deliberately staying away. And as you've already alluded to, it's Martha, right, who comes to him. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, Lord, worry if you'd have been here, you know what I mean. And so she has this, you know, this confession. But I love what you know what Capen says, man. Like in his research of this passage. He makes it known that Jesus is not interested in what she thinks she knows. Okay. When you look at her statement to Jesus, like, yeah, 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 I know, you know, he'll, you know, he'll rise again. He's not interested in what she thinks she knows. He is concerned with what she is willing to believe. Concerned that is not with her theology, but with her faith. So he simply says to her, your brother will rise again, right? Chapter 11, verse 23. In all, you know, in all, in all likelihood, he goes on and says this, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were, were reared. They were brought up either as Pharisees or under the influence of Pharisees' teaching. This is something, right, that in our American modern-day context, we don't draw all these connections, you know what I mean, when we first look at these verses. So Martha's response to Jesus, right, in the very next verse She sounds exactly as if she's like repeating a lesson that she learned in Pharisee Sunday school. Oh, yeah, she says, I know that. I know that he will rise again on the last day. Of course, you know, the whole notion of general resurrection in some future tense, some future date was standard Pharisaic teaching. Not not everybody agreed with it at that time, just to be clear. The Sadducees did not align with that teaching, but the Pharisees taught this. And so she's just sort of repeating this like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know mind, right? I know this. But what she's not believing 
is that this very resurrection that she's looking for in some future date is standing right in front of her. And you start to in this, I feel like it's right here in this tension is where you start to see why Jesus waited and did not come to heal his friend upon hearing, right, that he was hurting. And you definitely can note already he wasn't holding back because of some fear that he was going to lose his life if he went into town. If Jesus is not afraid of anything, it seems at this point, it's a dying. <laughs> you know, yep. He's already made it known this is his mission. His mission is to die. He's not afraid of it. So his hmm. holding back a few days is he's revealing something, not just to these people, but he's unveiling something to you and I. And it seems to be this misunderstanding, this misperception that we have about the very nature of God and life and death and resurrection. That's not allowing us to see the Messiah for who he is and what he's, what he's actually doing right here in their presence. Hmm. It's almost like a parable in a sense, right? Yep. It's like a parable acted out in real life. Parables were teachings that Jesus did that were designed to disillusion us from our misunderstandings that we have of what God is like. And this seems to be an acted out parable where he is accomplishing that right here. So to, to flow out of that, there's this parallel that's I never noticed before. It's very subtle, but Jesus is essentially accused of not caring. Mm -hmm. Right. There's another time when he was accused of not caring. And it was when he was sleeping in a boat while the disciples were trying to manage their way through a pretty bad storm. <laughs> and they're like, this is looks like the end and you're just snoozing. Um, what mm. they didn't say in that moment is you have no power. They were just like, you don't care. Okay. Here's another part of how this story is disillusioning a wrong way of viewing God. Jesus waited, and one of the things that that allowed space for was for him to stand in front of his some of his dearest friends mourning the loss of their brother, whom he loved very much, and he wept with them. Yeah. Because there's a kind of care being communicated, a kind of withness, like standing right in front of you-ness, that Jesus is able to do in real time with them that may not have been possible had he just snapped his fingers, you know, from across the miles and healed Lazarus, which he's done before, right? Yeah. The centurion, he, he just, the guy was like, I need you to heal my son. Jesus is like, done. Done. Right. Wait a minute. You haven't even seen him. You haven't even come into the town yet. He's like, yeah, it's done. Yep. And Jesus marveled, not at the fact that he healed the centurion's son from a distance, he marveled at the fact that the centurion was okay with just asking him flat out. I just need you to do it and didn't require Jesus to come. Okay. Yeah. There's this like faith that Jesus is like, you have mm. faith that much. I haven't seen that around these parts at all. <laughs> so come back though, to Jesus standing in front of Martha and Mary and they're all weeping. And now Mary and Martha are seeing not just as this guy who's claiming to be the Messiah, the son of God, who they said is the one who was to come into the world, but he's 
deeply angered in his gut at death and what it the havoc it wreaks on the live lives of people so like you're seeing an intimacy here that's really really powerful and i think it can be really easy to miss because it's just narrative and a bunch of words and exchanges it's like no 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 no. there's re a reason here why john is showing us this showing us a weeping jesus a jesus who's angered or some translations communicated as like deeply emotionally disturbed or something um and this is the person who's the resurrection that's how with you he is and i think that this gives us a really powerful picture of hope (laughs) and peace and uh assurance even because you're seeing the one who has made flesh the living god uh with us man he feels everything with you he feels all of it he knows it as intimately as you do because of the incarnation he's the one walking around saying not only that but i am the resurrection yeah yeah there's something it goes so much deeper it's so much more richer subversive in seeing that this this God, this incarnate God, right? The incarnation, God with us. It's not just feeling these things that everyone's feeling and going through the same tensions and trials and frustrations and fears and doubts and loss, right? Hurt. But you see this, uh, as you said, man, like it, it communicates a oneness with us. But I feel like it's in that that he's that you start to get a deeper sense of what he means when he talks about being the resurrection and the life. Right. So when Martha's like, oh yeah, 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 I know, I know. In the future, he'll he'll live again. And Jesus is like, no, no. No, what's in front of you is the incarnate who feels all that you're feeling. And I'm telling you that in me, he'll live now. This isn't just some future thing. Right. Yep. He's he's basically looking at her saying, Do you believe this? He is challenging her to trust in him rather than her beliefs or some theological right prerequisite that she's brought into this whole situation. Mm-hmm. And she comes through, right? She's like, Yes, Lord. She says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who is coming into the world. I mean, that's like, all right, you know what I'm saying? That's like you're, good. You're <laughs> in this acted out parable. You have you are being disillusioned of what God is like and even what life is, what resurrection is, what death is. And you're seeing that. The Christ. He's right here before you. And it's like, man, amen. FD Maurice once said, and I love this. He said this um, an exchange between Jesus and Martha depressed him when he read it. How sad it is, his words, he observed, that after 2,000 years, The church has gotten most Christians only to the point to which the Pharisees got Martha with their teaching. Mm. Resurrection in the future. Resurrection. A week from Tuesday, maybe. (laughs) Only a handful have ever gotten past that point and made the leap of faith. I love this. And made the leap of faith that Jesus got Martha to make. The leap to resurrection now. Now, to resurrection as the fundamental mystery of creation finally manifest in his own flesh. 
everything the scriptures have been pointing you to. Him, living and breathing, incarnate, one with you, standing right now. He is the resurrection. He is life. Mm -hmm. To know him is to know those now, not some future date. Dude. Not not some future date, not some future version of yourself, not some future form of reality. Like for the one who is life, right? Mm -hmm. He says the resurrection and the life. Um, here, put it this way. The resurrection exists in the mess and in the misery of our life and our humanity. Not just the physical, the logical, the scientific, all the elements of humanness. It's the resurrection in the mire of all our relationships, all our brokenness, exactly as we are right now. This is where the resurrection mm. lives, where he is, and where he's promising, I will raise you up. <laughs> and so Lazarus here uh, becomes the hairbinger. I don't know how to say that word, but that's what I read. It's a great word. The hairbinger <laughs> of resurrection, because as you said, like, this is the kind of final, like, we're going into the final stretch, the final curve of this, this ministry of Jesus. And this isn't the full resurrection moment, right? Like, this is raising a guy who's going to die again, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is kind of disturbing. You're like, sorry, dude, you're going to have to go through death twice, Lazarus. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jesus just seems to have this effect on the dead, right? Like he never yeah. meets a corpse that doesn't sit up straight. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, like you follow the scriptures, and whenever that encounter happens, they just sit up. Yep. Which is right. and this is this is it's mind-bending, but it's but it's reality. He's the resurrection before his resurrection. Yep. That's I, I think that's what we're not always seeing here. Right. We have 2,000 years, right, of church history not seeing this, not seeing what Jesus was able to help Martha see. He hasn't died yet. He hasn't risen from the grave yet. There's no way for him to be able to point to the mystery of all of our dying in his death and all of our coming to life in his resurrected life. You know, right, as we later on learn in Colossians and Ephesians and, right, 1 Corinthians, right, and Romans, like this being our state of being, our state of life. And that hasn't happened yet. So Martha's like grabbing onto this, it, this, the incarnation, God incarnate is, is the God of resurrection. Even before he was resurrected, if a corpse comes into contact with him, it sits up. Yep. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. Yeah. I, I, I just, Oh man. Well, it's crazy it, like, too. There's so much joy at the same time. There's like perplexity. You know, it's like yeah. they, they kind of clash together. In Martha and in our author John, because John is the guy who said at the beginning of this book, yes. the word who was God, was with God, is mm -hmm. God and became flesh. And nothing that was created was created apart from him. That's the one who's standing here with Martha being like, no, 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 you, you don't get it. I'm not like, that's not something I do late, like later. I'm, I am resurrection now. And I'm with you. Right. I created all things out of nothing. You better believe I can bring life out of death 
um, this is who's here with you. Yeah, I'm the one. And that, I mean, all that's going down this mystery, right? This grand sacrament, you could say this, this sign, right? The sign of who God is and what he's like, the very life and resurrection himself. Okay. Right here in front of you, this present kingdom, you could say it, it works like a mystery through resurrection, not reform. Yep. Lazarus didn't need reform. Jesus didn't need to bring some machinery called resurrection to the world, in which case he could then finally accomplish it. What he's revealing is what's always been true. Somehow, before the foundations of the world, the scriptures say, we were crucified with Christ and brought to life in his resurrection. In him, we find our very being. We're going to get more into that. But in the story here, in the text, Martha goes and tells her sister, right? The teacher is here and is calling for you. And Mary comes out quickly to meet him and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had just been here. But it says that Jesus is upset and he does not reply, right? Which, you know, we start to get into the whole like him weeping as you you know brought up earlier. It's like John basically uses every detail, it seems like, to show the emotional price that Jesus pays and being the sign of the mystery of God, of being the sign of the kingdom of God, of being the very resurrection of God himself in flesh walking among us. There's an emotional toll, man, that that has on him Mm. because he knows fully who he is and what he's doing and who people really are right? Alive in him without even them seeing it or knowing it. And yet here they stand in his very presence saying things like, if you would have only (laughs) then. (laughs) Could you imagine? It's like being there for your child for everything. And then when they're like four years old, they look at you and say, if you would have only not realizing that you were there and you've already taken care of this whole thing that they're all bothered about. And the very myth that they're grabbing onto as reality, that's crushing them. That's right. Enslaving them. You're standing in front of them going, you're already alive in me. (laughs) He right now in the tomb is already alive in me. What? 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 Yep. You, You know what I'm saying? There's you got to know that played a toll on him, man. There's a settledness in him about yep. you and me. There's a settledness in Jesus about what's real and what's true that he knows we don't have. We don't share that settledness. We don't share that assurance that all is well in Christ because Christ reconciles all things. He created all things and he can redeem and has redeemed all things. Right. Yep. And uh, Kruger tells this story about, and I love this <laughs> where he's talking actually about this text. And he's like, it's like, uh, I saw this child come off of the school bus. You know, we, we have to stop when the school bus stops, this child came off just a mess. 
screaming and crying, walks up the stairs to their house and appear what appears to be grandma sitting there waiting on the waiting. She comes up the stairs crying and has all these problems and is, is clearly dumping them all out. And grandma just listens, gives her a big hug. <laughs> and you could just imagine like, why aren't you freaking out about what I've just been through? Uh, why aren't you like packing me into the car so we can go and reckon with this or something, right? Like you can just imagine the scene, but grandma has the wisdom of life. She knows she's like, I know that whatever you're going through is really troubling, but I also know that you're home. You're, you're with me yep. and I'm going, I'm going to take care of you. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that we've lost by making religion the way to God. We've bypassed resurrection, imagining that our religion is going to get us to resurrection <laughs> or that it's going to get us to whatever this promised future is that God has been alluding to throughout the scriptures. Yeah. And it's like, like, no, that's, that's anxiety in action. Like you are taking anxiety like a pill every morning when you live like that. And the resurrection in the life shows up to say, you can't fake being alive. <laughs> Such a good point. <laughs> so you can't you can't fake being alive, bro. <laughs> I know you're working really hard and you have 4.5 <laughs> million followers who are listening to your advice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all just driven by the same anxiety and insecurity that all your listeners have. <laughs> and together you guys are just faking your way forward and calling yeah. it progress, success, leveling up, making an impact, changing the world. And meanwhile, you have Jesus like a grandma who's just greeting us and going, can I just give you a hug and, Let's go sit down and eat some soup. <laughs> exactly. It's cold here in this dooryard. <laughs> yeah. And uh, these myths that are crushing you. Yeah. It's not true. It's not true. Well, if you follow Dude. the story here, Jesus plows on ahead, right? Mm -hmm. He he sees the, he's already brought, right? You know, Martha to a challenge man of seeing something that she was not seeing. She was right in her answer. But again, it was that very Sunday school answer, right? What's, and you get, you know, that old joke, man, from like churches from years and years ago, but it's so true, right? You spend all your time growing up in that. And I remember, I forget who the comedian was, but he's like, yeah, man, the, the answer is always Jesus, right? The answer is always Jesus. I mean, to the point where you're at some point in a Sunday school class and it's like, what's brown and furry and collects nuts in the winter. <laughs> There's some kid who's like, well, it sounds like a squirrel, but Jesus, correct. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so she gives this, right. This very much like Sunday school answers, what she was taught by the Pharisees. And he moves her to a place of faith in him, the resurrection, him in front of her, not this set of beliefs that you're holding on to. And then you see the same thing with Mary. You see the emotional toll that it plays on Jesus. And then you see him in that moment plow forward. And he just basically tells them, hey, move the stones. They're like, no, Lord, he's been in there four days. Lazarus stinks. You know what I'm saying? He, Don't do this. 
And he's like, move the stone. He comes walking out. Lazarus, come out, right? Lazarus comes out, man. And man, they, Jesus tells him to, right? Undo his bandages, man. Unbind him and let him go, he says. And then that resurrection from, right? The resurrection in the life. Who's breathing and speaking. He's unbound and let go. Nothing that religion could ever bring about. I mean, if you ever needed a testament to, yeah, humanity doesn't need reform. Because reform is not an option when you're dead. What humanity needs is resurrection. Which is good news for us because death, right? Our sin, our spirit of independence is all we can bring to the table. And it's that very thing that Jesus uses to make us alive. <laughs> yep. it's, it's such a beautiful picture, man. And that's it, right? And the, the dude, here's the thing. That's the beginning of the end for Jesus right there. That's the beginning of the end. If you go to chapter 11 and you look at those next few verses from there, you're going to see where, you know, the chief priest, right? And the Pharisees, they gather together in a council and the high priest is basically just giving it to them straight. Like you guys are a bunch of know nothings. And he tells them this enough of the handholding, enough of the generalization, enough of the, him saying that he's the Christ and picking up some stones and trying to kill him and him getting away. We're going to work together and we're going to make a charge of blasphemy and we're going to use the system of law that's in front of us to end this dude because people are believing in him. AKA, we are the religious leaders. And our property value is going down ever since <laughs> the, the incarnation moved in, <laughs> which is what we celebrate on Christmas. Mm -hmm. The God who ends religion has showed up. And that's bad for those who are in the religion business, bro. We got to kill him. And they make that plot, and there it begins. It's wild, man. Yeah, and that leads right into the passion narrative um, yep. in John. And I think just a resurrection. Oh, wait, wait. Is it is it is that a is it a good point for this episode? Because, dude, I got. I feel like we've got. I feel like we just skimmed the surface, man. On. I feel like we're just getting started. We're just getting started, bro. Like where this understanding of what Jesus just revealed goes is to me the most life-giving thing you'll ever hear. It's it's the most freeing thing you'll ever encounter. It's yep. straight liberation, 200 proof, right? Drunk, no chaser. Yep. And I'd like to I'd like to get into it, man. I'd like to just peel that onion for for a minute. So, yep. I say I love it. I'm with let's you. Let's stop here. This has all been good and beautiful and true news. Yeah. The eyewitnesses, man, to this, they're everywhere. You can find them not just in the scriptures. You can find them in Roman literature, by the way. Um, there's a reason why they put Jesus on the front of Time magazine every year. It's not always for the right reasons, but <laughs> one of the things that you're not going to get around is the fact that, uh, yeah, it's not just the Bible that's saying these things. And that's pretty, uh, pretty life-giving in and of itself, right? 
And so that said, happy Thanksgiving to all of you, our listeners. Thank you for your support. And we just, um, man, I just hope you have a, a fun and restful man day of sitting around and doing nothing other than eating and laughing, having a nice drink, maybe watching a ball game, take a nap. Because he who is the resurrection is present with you wherever you're going to be at, man. Cheers to that. And cheers to this next conversation. So stay tuned until next week. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that said. <laughs>